welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of The Other Identity, starring your favorite hero, the great Landis, and along with me, as always, Professor Awesome is here, too. Yes, your real favorite hero, Professor Awesome. <laughs> yeah. The hero of the people, the people's hero. People's we are uh, uh, entering or, or finishing up, I guess, uh, week three of the quarantine. And this is a very special episode because uh, brought to you today, we have a very special guest. Uh, may end up being one of our favorites here, a uh, friend of Arun, the one who, or friend no, of Arun, I totally, completely just, just, just uh, completely messed that up. Friend of Ben and uh, the one doing the read of the Superman with you. But uh, Arun, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks so much for having me. I also consider myself a friend of myself. <laughs> oh yeah, no one's a no one's a better friend of Arun than Arun. Yeah, I know, I'm great. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we'll be talking a little bit more to you and getting to know you a little bit more actually coming up uh, uh, later here in the show. But what I wanted to start out with is just talking about, you know, like we usually do, how quarantine's going for everyone, you know, how your self-isolation is uh, is going. Are you reading anything new? And uh, since you're you know, you're our guest here today, Arun, uh, why don't we start with you? Uh, and besides Read the Superman, because we'll talk about that later on the show, uh, what is it that you've been up to during your uh, time of self-isolation? Uh, you know, it's, uh, as someone, I'm a, the VP marketing at Boom Studios, a comic company based here in Los Angeles. Uh, we have been, you know, we're working from home, but we are definitely working. I mean, from nine to six, at the very least, though, in my case, sometimes from six to nine, uh, <laughs> it's longer days. Uh, we're working. There's a lot to do. There's, um, uh, it, that never ends. So I can't say that I've had a ton of free time, but, uh, what I recently discovered was that I really love Gundam, the uh, Japanese anime. And so I have been trying to catch up on 40 years of Gundam. Oh, my God. And uh, I got into building the models last year. Um, I'd only ever seen a little bit of it when I was a kid. And I missed Gundam Wing completely. And now it's been a great journey. I love robots and I love like angsty teen drama. So it's uh, been a real thrill for me. Now, are you also a fan of, um, what is it, uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion? Or Evangelion? Yes, I am, not, I am a diehard fan <laughs> of, of Evangelion, and uh, that I did love when I was a teenager, and I recently had my wife watch it with me, Michelle, and she was all right with it until we watched the movie End of Evangelion, and it became very clear to me that... Uh, in not so many words, she never needed to watch this ever again. Yeah, well, you usually fall into one of two camps when it comes to that movie, and it's either the way that you feel about it or the way that everyone else feels about <laughs> yeah. it. Uh, so, uh, Ben, what about yourself? Uh, you know, I've just been uh, keeping on, keeping on. Uh, I, it's crazy. It, the time is flying in the sense that I don't realize how long I've gone without leaving my house. Uh, um, yeah. And again, I'm, I'm fortunate. I've got a wonderful wife, an adorable child a dog um, and I'm able to, you know, kind of pass the time with them. But as far as stuff I've been reading and watching, whatever I was going to tell you right before we got on the air that I have, uh, I got the DC universe app. I'm really excited about it. I talked a little bit about it last week, but I have dived or dove. I don't know the word into young justice season three outsiders. Uh, I've heard am, good things about young justice. I'm one episode deep as a rune knows uh, the character of Miss Martian is named after my wife. So I have an affinity for this cartoon to begin with. Yes. Her Miss Martian's code name is Megan Morse. She was named so by writer Jeff Johns who was working on teen Titans, who was out to dinner with me and my wife, Megan. She was my girlfriend at the time, but he said, you know, if you guys ever get married, you'll have an alliterative name and that's perfect for a superhero. So he went ahead and named Miss Martian Megan Morse, but the cartoon is 
really good so far. It's a, uh, it fits the tradition of DC animated series, whether it's justice league, Batman, et cetera, where it's a fun, great, like show if you're younger, but for me, for someone who's a little bit older and appreciates the nuance and characterization, it's really great there too. Voice acting is fantastic. Animation is fantastic. I will continue updating you guys on uh, my progress with young justice. I did not actually know that about Miss Martian. Now, how, yes. how does that feel knowing that your wife has a character named after her, but you you don't yet? Uh, so I have appeared as a cameo in several oh. comics over the years, um, usually getting killed uh, <laughs> or acting as a person guard. Arun, I know you. You also you have a few characters named after you. You actually have a really cool current character named after you. Yeah, I do. Uh, there's a Legion of Superheroes character called Monster Boy that Brian Bendis introduced in his new Legion of Superheroes series and named that, and whose real name is Arun. Uh, I'm not sure if it's Arun Singh or just Arun, but uh, that's a really cool one. And the other one that I'm really proud of is Fred Van Lente when he wrote G.I. Joe, created a character called Hashtag, and she's named after me as Arun Singh. Aruna Singh. The only issue there is that she is also one of the most hated G.I. Joes ever, but I kind of like that. No, no, no. You have, ben knows this. I yeah. love the heel. I love the heel heat. Keep it coming. Arun, Keep Arun it coming. Is Arun, despite being one of the nicest, most wonderful people ever, just has this affinity. He likes playing the bad guy. It's it's inexplicable. Oh, so I'm 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 the only one that's not in the club of having a comic book character named after them. We'll work on it. We'll work on it. You're going to have to work on it. Uh, As for myself, um, I've been trying to make my way through more of the DC era rebirth challenge, uh, reading more and more of the Titans. And I don't want to go too far into it because I know that you're using a reading list this time, Ben. So I don't want to. I don't want to. Dude, I'm not going to get back to Titans for like seven (laughs) months from now. I know. (laughs) I I also I don't want to like spoil anything big, which I've really been like struggling with, you know, not to like tag you or or talk anything about uh, about anything too big on Twitter. But uh, there is actually one thing that I do want to, you know, kind of draw a spotlight on. And, um, you know, earlier on when uh, I was reading uh, the Super Sons annual, which was really just a Super Pets fiasco. Your favorite. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Callie said you might as well just skip all the annuals because most of the annuals are not that great. And I really have to call him out or, or call her out for that because Titans annual number one was actually amazing. It brings together uh, four of sort of like the, the superhero former sidekicks. Right. And you get to see that how the dynamic between these four uh, uh, duos like is so vastly different from one another. And, and specifically, and I had pointed this out on uh, Twitter that the dynamic between uh, Barry Allen and Wally West specifically I don't think that any other duo within all of comics, not even just DC and Marvel, but just within all of comics is quite like theirs. And it's just, it was so fascinating to see the difference between them, especially when you put it up next to like, you know, Batman and Nightwing or Wonder Woman and Donna Troy or, or even uh, Aquaman and uh, Tempest as he is now. And so if anyone hasn't read Titans annual number one, uh, the 2016 run, like just even by itself is such an interesting read to take a look at yeah i love the panel you posted with uh barry and wally i mean that's 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 one of the reasons i love wally west so much is because he's he is the one sidekick and i've said this on the show before who has lived up to the potential of his uh of his predecessor and i think that's really cool um i I would ask you to jump in and say one of the things i love about wally too is that while you're right he's lived up to his predecessor i kind of like that you have a good 50 or so issues of his own series where it yes. seems like he's just not going to. And 
whether that was intentional, you're more of a historian than I am, Ben, whether mm-hmm. that was intentional for Wally to be so unlikable initially or, or not, it, it actually makes the Mark Wade run where he becomes so likable that much stronger. Yeah, it's a it's a very it's a very real story. He starts out overwhelmed, overcompensating, uh, not the guy you want to rely on or count on, and he has that that trial. I'm not going to say trial by the fire. I'll say trial by lightning. And uh, he does have to go through that crucible and become the hero that he will become. Uh, yeah, you know, Wally West is one of the best. Rune, I know you're a big uh, Connor Kent guy. You love. Superman and Superboy. Um, yeah. would, would you call that your favorite, like uh, legacy legacy character? I think Superboy. I, I I think I'd like to be cheap and say Hawkman's an eternal legacy character because he's always a new version of himself. But if I'm not being difficult, me, yeah, I think <laughs> I, I think uh, Superboy and probably Tim Drake very closely behind because I think those two series, not uh, not uncoincidentally uh, drawn by Tom Grummet. Yeah. Um, really were the DC books that kicked off a golden age for me. And then oddly, like Connor Hawk, Kyle Rayner, all those 90 90s versions, I felt actually share so much, are like this perfect synthesis between what makes a Marvel hero good and what makes a DC hero good. 100%. And I got to call out, uh, I hope they're listening, I got to call out Kevin Kelly and Jacob Brothers from the Checkpoint XP on campus. Oh, I wish so, you wouldn't. Oh my goodness. <laughs> they, they've been ranting on Twitter about uh, how Tim Drake is boring, he's the worst Robin, and uh, Rune and I could go on and bicker and sound like bitter old men here, but if you were around in the 90s, you understand why Tim Drake is not just a great Robin, he might be the best Robin. Ooh, he saved Robin. I mean, I, I'd argue that there is no Robin now without him coming around and being so great. Yeah, Absolutely. Oh, well, you know what? That sounds like it might be a discussion for another time. But for now, it seems like we're all making a good use of our self-isolation in this uh, time of quarantine, which doesn't look like it's going to be going anywhere anytime soon. So I hope all of you out there listening are staying safe and practicing, uh, you know, safe social distancing rules. Uh, Coming up next, we're going to talk a little bit more about Arun and what makes him him. I've heard that he has a pretty interesting origin story. Remember, you can connect with us on social media. That's Checkpoint XP on uh, Facebook and Twitter. You can also find us in individually at Robbie underscore Landis CP, Ben Morris, and Arun at Arun. Students are playing more video games than ever, and that's not a bad thing anymore. With Checkpoint XP on campus, you can peek into the world of college, esports, and gaming. We talk to personalities in the space like Phasix, who retired from the Overwatch League to join a college team. Or thought leaders like James O'Hagan of the Academy of Esports, who's leading the charge on blending education and video games. It's not all black holes and floss dances. Games can lead to college scholarships, and we can tell you where on Checkpoint XP on campus. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for downloading and listening to The Other Identity. Uh, so we are joined today by special guest Arun Singh. Uh, now, Arun, uh, you, you, you kind of mentioned a little bit in that first segment there, you know, what it is you do. But uh, I'd like to give you this opportunity to talk a little bit more about, uh, you know, what it is you do, your title, and uh, this origin story that I've been hearing so much about. 
Oh, boy. Okay. Well, I promised Ben I would try not to do the full hour version. That could be a bonus <laughs> podcast someday. That's, uh, a promise, that's a promise to our producer, Rick, because uh, I don't think he wants to edit down the full origin story. Yeah, I, I think I think it's more of a threat, Rick. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, but as you can hear, by the way, I said sorry. I was born in Canada. So, like, if I say get out of here, it sounds normal. If I say get out, it just sounds – it's just – it's get out. So I was born in Toronto. Uh, I dreamed of being prime minister of Canada when I was a kid. Uh you think I'm kidding, but I started my political campaigning in grade six, reading every book I could. Um, but when I turned 15, uh, I developed uh, something called, uh, oh boy, I'm even forgetting the info. I developed really bad sleep apnea after having um, inflammation of my brain tissue. And I'm forgetting the name of it already, but I had really bad insomnia, really bad sleep apnea to the point where I couldn't even, I can't remember anything that happened when I was 15. I met some of my best friends. Um, to give you an idea how bad it was, my parents tell me I would sit at a computer and I'd have to ask them how to turn it on because I couldn't remember how to turn it on. Whereas months before that, I had been like writing, teaching myself JavaScript. I was building computers and wow. the disease, the diseases encephalitis. I remembered the name. So um, I'm 39 this year. Uh, the short version is I haven't slept for the last a proper night of sleep for the last 24 years. That's never going to change. Um, <laughs> And uh, it's been quite a journey, but um, what that sleep forced me to do is I dropped out of high school a couple times, but still graduated, dropped out of, I was at the, I eventually moved to Minnesota and went to the University of Minnesota for less than a day. I dropped out of college before convocation because I had no interest in business and I knew I didn't have the, my health wasn't in order. So I, um, you know, I had thought about being a firefighter. Um, I had applied, uh, to, I applied to the Navy and was medically disqualified. Um, you know, I did a bunch of retail jobs. I was a rent-a-cop. I sold men's clothing. Um, and But for about six or seven years, one thing I did was I was a freelance writer, first for IGN, where I wrote a DC column called The Column of Tomorrow. Um, and then at CBR, where I think I was their first staff reporter, so for comic book resources. And I did that for about six or seven years. And I have to say, one of the people I looked up to was actually Ben, because he was at the apex of comics journalism, which was Wizard, and getting the biggest interviews, breaking the biggest news. Um, and I always figured I'd end up in, I'd be doing, you know, retail jobs the rest of my life. But um, I happened to be, uh, in 2006, um, I, I'd become an EMT. I'd come back, gone back to college, thought I was going to be a paramedic firefighter. Um, I flew back to Toronto to visit some friends because I figured pre-med was going to keep me busy. Flew back to Salt Lake City where I was living. And uh, within 24 hours, um, contracted what the doctors say were symptoms of meningitis in West Nile and then went into a coma for a day. But this is where I tell you that is the best thing that ever happened to me. Because what happened is the doctors, through some complications, realized I had a, a different disease as well called um, uh, myasthenia gravis. Uh, if you ever watched uh, Empire, it's a disease that Lucius Lyon has that he deals with. But it's a, it's a neuromuscular weakness disorder. Um, sometimes I can't feel the left side of my body when I wake up. I'm really tired. Uh, it causes a lot of issues. So um, it means that your thymus, which is the size of the P, becomes, in my case, the size of two baseballs. Oh so I had gosh. to take that time. Uh, but it, it all worked out, man. It's, it's telling you the best thing that ever happened. I had to take time off college. I couldn't go back. Um, and uh, they, um, I ended up in New York for a month with my brother before I needed surgery. And I was just visiting he was working there. I figured, let me go visit Marvel and DC, at least get to see where they do business. DC was closed at the time. It was the week after Christmas. Marvel happened to be open. And I happened to meet David Gabriel, who's now the, I mean, 
the number one guy in comic at, at sales and comics in probably the last 20 to 40 years. He's in, he's a virtuoso, but I met Dave and he asked if I'd be interested in a job. I said, sure. I'm just visiting. He's like, don't worry. We're not going to hire you too quickly. We move a bit slowly on that front. Uh, and they do as Ben knows. And, uh, so it was in December 06. Um, he interviewed me and it turned out the reason he knew who I was is he'd read an interview with me in soap opera digest where I had, um, that had been interviewed about the OC storyline in season three involving Wildstorm. And so then David and I got, got to talking about soap operas. I had dabbled in acting in my early 20s because I wanted to be a Power Ranger and a daytime uh, soap opera actor. I yes. loved soap. And so uh, that was, um, it's odd that that interview is what got me in the door. Uh, and then a few months later, after the surgery, which I'll give you the detail, which is they sawed my sternum in two pulled out the tumors and then wired it shut. After about three months, I was able to walk again without assistance. The sternum healed up. I moved to New York to do this job, figuring I was going to be a sales communication coordinator. I would just write press releases and set up press. I figured I'll do this for six months for a year. I'll go back, be a paramedic firefighter. That's what I'd rather do anyway. Um, that's what I was more interested in. And uh, 13 years later, I have not come back to do it. So it just <laughs> might not be happening. But I have to accept that. And, um, but it, it, like the point of the story, and this is a short version and now Ben will never let me tell the long version. This was the short version, believe it or yeah. not. Yeah. Is that all that bad stuff had to happen. Like all those opportunities I wanted in my life kind of had to not happen or be taken away because of the health issues for me to end up in Marvel. And, um, I, that's where I met my wife, Michelle, who worked there. So the very best thing that happened to me required all the bad stuff for it to happen to me to get there. Um, which is always, to me, the moral of that story. Um, I then left um, Marvel in 2015 and went to Sci-Fi, where I became VP of uh, publicity. I was heading up publicity for Marvel on the TV side before that. Um, and then 2016, after a reorg, and unfortunately I didn't have a job anymore at Sci-Fi, I joined Boom Studios as their VP of marketing. And I oversee everything marketing, publicity, live events, social media, advertising for boom studios and it's um and it is one hell of a hell of a good time so that is the short version of how i got here which is follow your passions do them honestly follow them honestly and don't worry about where life is going just worry who you are in the process and i believe things will work out wow that that was fascinating um uh forget what ben says someday i'd like to hear the long version of that <laughs> there's so much more to it too i i yeah. have um i have a route into my public relations class every semester to do a guest lecture um and he's consistently the most inspirational and also just fascinating oh, person you. who uh who talks to my students i have yet to not have students come up to me and say like i was really just spurred on to i'm gonna follow my dreams because of that guy so a great guy, a great friend, and um, one of the best in comics. No, oh, thank you. You, you know, uh, well, uh, one of the things that we like to do here on the show, obviously, is you know we have our own uh, superhero personas, which, which you heard mm-hmm. at the beginning of the show. There, and uh, I have to wonder uh, for anyone who works in comics, I, I assume that at one point in their life, whether it was when they're younger or now, that they've thought about their own. So, you know, I wanted to give you a chance here on the show to sort of like you know mint your own uh, uh, persona for the next time that we inevitably have you on. Oh, okay. If I'm being honest, I'll tell you, I had a terrible version of, uh, there's a terrible superhero version of me I used to draw as a kid, and his name was, his name was Runedog, R-U-N-E-D-O-G, <laughs> and so it was a hybrid of everything I liked in comics, so he had a brown leather jacket to yeah. be a variant of Superboy, 
Um, he also shot energy, and the way I draw it was like going from one hand to the other, kind of like Bishop, you know, that first cover he's on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had he had optic blasts, so of course he had the red ruby quartz uh, sunglasses, and he could fly and had invulnerability. So again, I did not lack for ambition right. in all the things I could do. It was very much Superboy meets Bishop meets Cyclops. Well, you know what? It's a bit more inspired than Professor Awesome. Hey, come on. <laughs> I know, but, but that is accurate, though. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, no, I'm probably on the bottom of the list here. Uh, uh, my uh, mind, the Great Landis, was given to me by my old co-host, and I don't even know what that would look like at this point. Maybe a cross between Constantine and Zatanna. You'd have to be a washed-up magician so, of some sort. I will, t- I will tell you, I got one other nickname recently that might be better and put us on equal footing. Uh, I did a, There was an event with WWE wrestler Seth Rollins at a CrossFit box here uh, locally, and so I went for it. It's a paid event, but I, was, uh, I had some friends at CBS Sports, and... Uh, Seth Rollins' nickname is CrossFit Jesus, and the CBS Sports guys nicknamed me CrossFit Moses. There so it is. The- <laughs> yeah, so I feel like that's more in the Professor Awesome level of things. <laughs> so uh, can you tell us a little bit about what it is that you do with uh, with Boom Studios? Yeah, yeah. I uh, my, Look, my job is to oversee our our messaging and um, and our brand development and our, and our overall promotion of, of uh, everything we produce, of our creators, of our staff. So that means day to day what I'm managing is what are our publicity efforts? Not only how are we responding to things, but who are we pitching for stories? How are we shaping the narrative around our company? And I work with our upper management team um, to you know figure out what those goals are for each year or each quarter of what story are we trying to tell about the company. It's something that we reinforce on our social media channels, through our paid advertising, through what we call live events. So conventions obviously aren't happening right now, but when they do, a big part of what I'm doing is putting together our panel programming, sometimes moderating panels, sometimes participating in those panels, um, and then also overseeing how we're um, you know, soliciting and promoting our product in, in catalogs, whether it be like diamond previews or when we're soliciting stuff to the book market. And that works hand in hand with our sales team. Um, who weaponize what we do to go make sure we sell as many books as we can. They're working directly with retailers and buyers. Um, and there's also a talent relations aspect to what I do as well, working with talent to make sure we've addressed their needs. Um, and that talent can be internal, like our editors or design team. It can also be external, like the writers and artists, inkers, colorists, uh, letterers that we work with, to make sure everybody everybody is equipped to go talk about their books in the way that's truthful to them, but also aligns with our, our larger messaging. It is, um, it's a ton of fun. And I'll tell you, there has never been a day where I felt like I didn't have more than enough work. It sounds like it. You already do way more than I feel like I do in a week's time, like <laughs> hands down. Well, it, it's, it's, it's like, it is, um, it, it, the thing I would have say is I think, I think we all do a lot. My team, I have a team of six people. They work their butts off. I think it's the scale if it's always different, right? When we talk about running a website, it's not like when Ben and Ryan Panagos, John Cirilli and that Harry Goen, the whole team ran the marvel.com website, like the amount of content they were producing and the, the variety of it is like, it's still unparalleled with any comic company. So all of it does scale. I don't want to mean to minimize what we do, but I don't want to like, I don't want anyone to think that we're running like 10 original news stories on our website every day or something like that. So uh, last thing that I want to ask before we move on to talking about uh, the read of the Superman that you and Ben are doing. And uh, this is something that I try to ask again, all of our guests, uh, since this is a comic book uh, show, what is your earliest memory or, you know, what was the comic book or the hero that really sort of ignited your passion for the medium? 
the one that it probably the one that made me a lifelong comic fan as much as I love DC it's uh, it's X-Men uh, it is there was a reprint of uh, Uncanny X-Men number four and I remember this one being particularly meaningful to me and my brother so we were two of maybe eight or ten maybe eight if we're lucky kids of color in our grade school that was k through eight and um we were two of them our our friend and his brother were two more of them like it wasn't a very uh ethnically diverse uh area in the greater in i was in the greater toronto area in in the 80s it was not diverse and so this issue of x-men had um uh, like it, oddly Magneto I was identifying with where he like it's him and Namor teaming up and there's a scene where they talk about you know we're, when we're at home with each other we can never be defeated and at, that actually always stuck with me and my brother because we used to get teased a lot and bullied a lot and so when we were walking home we always thought about that scene because we're like the minute we get home we're safe again the minute we get home no one's going to tease us or make fun of our names or say that we eat monkey brains or whatever other nonsense they would say. And so, uh, the lot, but the, the X-Men were a comic we identified with because even though it was a monocultural cast in large part, it, it was about the other and being the other. And that was the first time I'd seen us, um, it, that really discussed, like I had one of those old, Le- I had an old, that old Legion issue where Tyrock makes his first appearance and I think that was a very well-intentioned um, progressive comic for the time. But even in the 80s reading it, I could see how maybe the racial politics of that uh, introduction were not quite aligned with my perspective. But like it was it was the uh, it was the X-Men. Um, and then I think the Legion of Superheroes, because, again, for, for some of the mis- for some of the disagreement I might have had with the introduction of Tyrock, the uh, uh, the um, uh, the Legion uh, as a whole, were also another group that felt like they celebrated diversity, and so that was um, a really important thing for me as a kid to see a group of characters who at least talked about being different and what it meant to find the similarities. You know, the X Men are consistently, I think, one of the titles that people uh, uh, attach themselves to when asked that question, and for good reason. Uh, coming up here next, we're going to be talking about the read of the Superman, which is a uh, challenge that uh, both Ben and Arun have taken upon themselves and have been uh, uh, experiencing in, in um, sharing this journey over Twitter. So make sure that you connect with us uh, all over there. That's Checkpoint XP for the show. Rubby underscore Landis, CP for myself, Ben Morris, Ben J Morris for Ben and uh, at A-R-U-N-E for Arun. We'll be right back with Read of the Superman. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Well, we have an unprecedented outbreak. Thousands of us walking the earth. We might die at any moment. Because we're under attack. In which case, we must act fast. Doctors are trying their best. Working long hours and... Always sacrificing. Their health to protect you. Well, I'd very much like to thank them. Thanks, Doctor. Thank you, Doctor. Thank you, Doctor. Thank you, Doctor. Wait a minute. What's the prognosis? It's still changing. So we have a novel virus and no vaccine at this time. What should we do? We gotta get everybody else back into the houses. We gotta keep them there. In other words... This is our lockdown, right? What that means is... Stay in your homes. Make no attempt to reach loved ones. And take a long nap. You can count me out. You can count me out, too. Some people are immune to good advice. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Those idiots. I just need to make sure you fully understand. 
Let's recap. I'm begging you. Stay inside. Wash your hands. And make sure you've got 10 feet of personal space around you. Stay away from me. Stay away from me. Uh-uh-uh. I didn't hear you wash your hands. So think on this, lads. When you're home watching TV. Think about the medical stuff. Working for you. So I'm asking you. Stay home. I'm in isolation. Just stop the virus. All right, I'll do it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You stay classy, planet Earth. Thanks for sticking with us, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to The Other Identity. Now, uh, I'm going to let Ben actually take this segment over and kind of lead us through here, because uh, whether you may or may not know, Superman has never actually been uh, one of my favorites, not even honestly close to being the middle of the pack for me. I've always thought that uh, overall Superman was kind of boring. He had a lot, basically a lot of powers and, uh, you know, one unearthly weakness that still somehow managed to nearly kill him every episode. So, uh, Ben, Arun, why Superman? Well, I actually hopped on this train a little late. Um, not hopped on late, but Arun was talking on social media. Once this, uh, once this whole situation was going on with quarantine and everything, it was clear we we're going to have a lot of time at home to consume content, create content, and maybe maybe do some good for the world around us by our small contributions of just providing a little bit of entertainment. And uh, Arun kicked around the idea of rereading Reign of the Superman, which is a story from when he and I were both kids. Uh, it's basically the return of Superman after he dies at the hands of Doomsday. Four different Supermen come back, and there's a lot of mystery interaction and things about who is the real Superman. And before I hand it to Arun, who, could, who can talk about why he wanted to do this in the first place, to speak to what you said, Robbie, um, Superman was not my favorite character growing up, but what I loved and what Reign of the Superman does so beautifully is it's not necessarily a story about Superman. Superman is not necessarily the star of his best stories. The best Superman stories I find is how does this incredible hero, this uh, this outsider, this person who has incredible morals, how does he influence the world around him? And that's what Reign of the Superman is about. It's it's not just about his influence on his friends, his family, the DC universe, but how do these four figures who emerge live up to the legacy, the impossible reputation of a character like Superman? And I think Superman to me is best in small doses. I love when he shows up in Justice League or uh, even in stories that again, are largely about the impact he's had on the community around him. But he's just, to me, he's more than a character. He's this larger-than-life figure who represents the pinnacle of heroism. Um, And that's why I've always been drawn to Superman stories. Not necessarily Superman himself, but Superman stories. But Arun, you were the one who wanted to do this challenge. What kind of inspired you to take it on in the first place? Um, Part of it, I'll say, is is self-serving, which was like, what is a thing... I can kind of do just to keep myself a little bit busy with something that's fun. So I'm not just sitting in front of um, the television and watching 40 years of Gundam, but also so that I'm like engaging with something I really love and it's not, and I'm not being so passive during this quarantine. If, and um, how can I still connect with something I loved as, as a kid? The other part was to Ben's point. Yeah. We thought it might be fun to just like, just see who else would like to get aboard this and how, 
we could just celebrate something awesome in a time when I think understandably people are, are focused on, I think, the negative impacts on their lives and the neg- negative things. And that totally makes sense. Um, I just wanted to inject a little bit of fun and, and joy into this. And I've it's a story I really love and I come back to every couple of years. So I figured why not just share that love. I've actually found in general on social media, um, I've had the most fun just talking about things I love, whether it be the David Boreana series Angel or a show like Friday Night Lights or whatever it is. People, I, I found I've connected with more people and more meaningfully connected with them when I just talk about the things I love more than um, talking about the things I hate. <laughs> well, I think to both your oh, excuse me to both your points, uh, Ben. First of all, I think you're right too. I think all the sort of characters impacted by or all the ancillary characters connected to Superman, at least in my opinion, are also infinitely more interesting. Um, you know, the 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 most I've gotten into Superman was actually during his rebirth run uh, with his son uh, uh, Jonathan Kent. You know, seeing Superman behave under you know human circumstances uh just is it, so much better than just about anything else i've ever read and of course i started uh at least each of the first issues of read of the superman uh man of steel superboy um and I, I like what i read um i don't know that i will dive much deeper into it but then of course Arun, to your point as well since doing the dc uh, rebirth era challenge you know being able to engage with people and what it is that they love and what they're passionate about is something that you constantly come back to uh obviously people respond to things they hate as well but it's a lot easier and it's a lot quicker to get fed up with that and you end up just wanting to walk away from all of it um and so yeah i I think i can agree with with both of those things uh how far exactly into read the superman are you guys so far and and how long because ben you read i think it is an issue a day so so how long does this uh this challenge gonna go for so the parameters we've been operating under is we started with adventures of superman number 500 and we're doing an issue every day um a room might be able to speak to exactly how many issues there are but i know we're i think we're about halfway through right now i know yeah yeah we have about nine or ten issues left to go, and we're about yep. eight or so issues deep. So we're we're we're, ele- we're eleven days into it. I think it was okay. day eleven today. Yeah. So I think we're. I think it is. It's between twenty and twenty four issues in total. So like, uh, I think we're doing uh, pretty good. And it's uh, yeah, one issue a day. Um, I'll, I'll be honest. I thought about taking weekends off, but it's. It's actually just been so much fun. I don't want to stop. I don't want to take a day off. Yeah, I don't know how, especially Ben. He's like, yeah, I have, you know, I have like five or six things that I'm reading. I'll read one issue a day for each. I'll lay down to go to bed and be like, I'll read one issue of Titans. And then two hours later, I'm 10 issues deep and I don't know how to stop. Yeah, man. So it's all about uh, it's all about discipline, Robbie. It's all about discipline. Uh, but, you know, I have some forced discipline in my life in the sense that I've got that uh, the aforementioned two-year-old who wakes me up at six in the morning. So I'm not necessarily going to be up until two in the morning reading comics, uh, um, four in the morning reading comics. Thank you. Four in the, sorry. I don't want to, I don't want to undersell your accomplishments, but you know, I've been able to, uh, I've been able to dig in. I, I, I like that. I kind of have a rhythm to my day as I try to start the day off with a Superman read. And then Arun and I are both sharing our thoughts on Twitter, uh, you know, by about nine in the morning uh, Pacific time. But what I've really noticed about going through this uh, issue by issue is just how many cool concepts spun out of this story. Obviously, the ones you think about are Superboy and Steel are introduced, but Cyborg Superman's an enduring character. Uh, the Eradicator is an enduring character. All four Supermen are great, but the stuff with Superboy's supporting cast, the great, incredible stuff we've been seeing with Lois Lane and the other Daily Planet members, and just the 
the innovations that were part of the story, it's really, it's a formative story for not just Superman, but the DC universe. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Ben. It's like, uh, I did not appreciate how good a job the team had done making Metropolis feel like a real world. I think we often think so much about Spider-Man's New York, or frankly, like Marvel's New York, mm-hmm. or Batman's Gotham City being these vibrant, the most vibrant places. But I will put the 90s, the reign of the Superman era, Metropolis, supporting cast, um, and set of characters up against any one of those in their prime because the, it, there's no story you can't do with the Superman characters of that era. You can tell a magic story, you can tell a supernatural story, an action story, a deep, intimate, personal story, a grounded police story, uh, a reporter story. You can tell all of it because it feels like a real world. Like I always liked Bibbo because he was kind of a goofy, fun character who just represented the everyman. But in this story, it becomes it's really apparent how important he is to the tapestry because he shows the impact of Superman on a regular Metropolis person, not just those select few who are Superman's pals like Jimmy or Lois, but just a regular person. Um, and also Ben has really brought me over to appreciating Lex Luthor Jr. Yes. The redheaded, long haired <laughs> beat. Like I was beat, wondering beat, who that character. was. So that, so not to get too deep into it, Robbie, but basically it is Lex Luthor. He is. Yeah, yeah I knew it was Lex, but I'm like, he's got hair. He's, pos- he's posing as his own son. Uh, oh there's boy. a story from Lex. the, there's a story from the late eighties, early nineties, where basically he dies of kryptonite poisoning. And then his quote unquote son shows up. And really it's just, he cloned himself a new body and transplanted his brain. Uh, there's a ton of, goofy shenanigans to get there but he's such a fun character because to me i said this today um on our read of the superman i love lex luther when he's the secret bad guy when the world thinks he's this you know wonderful humanitarian and he's even fooling supergirl and behind the scenes he's just the worst bastard in the world but his outward facing persona is just this 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 wonderful heroic man I, i've never really gotten into the mad scientist lex luther or the everyone hates him lex luther i grew up with this lex um and this is the lex that kind of imprinted on me as a result i, I would argue the best my favorite lex is still the lex luther from smallville um mm-hmm. i think he has all the best elements of of lex and he also has a uh, a sympathy to him and a measure of heroism. But I said this today as well, Read, why, reading this Lex, I can see where he could have inspired the approach with Smallville because this Lex Luthor is also just like full of sexual energy. Like, oh God, he's yeah. clearly getting it on with Supergirl. But he, like, <laughs> oh. showed, he shows up to meet White Bunny and his shirt is like open to like his, his uh, like belly button almost. It's ridiculous, but it's perfect. Like it is... The White Rabbit is also a hypersexualized female character, and the two of them together is pure '90s comics, and it's sexualized in the most PG way. But as a kid, it was just like, "Holy crap, this is dangerous!" In a Superman comic, like there was, there were so many fascinating ideas, and I, I think I'm a lifelong Superman fan. But it is Reign of the Superman that ironically made me love Superman. And I got a shout out to, uh, we, we, we had a comment from the artist who drew Man of Steel, John Bogdanov, um, on Twitter today, who kind of talked about that, uh, for better or worse, the sexuality injected into Lex Luthor, White Rabbit scenes. But probably the coolest thing for me, besides getting to do something with my buddy uh, on this project, has been the input from people who actually worked on Reign of the Superman. We've had 
Dan Jurgens, Carl Kiesel, the aforementioned John Bogdanov, they've all checked in to give their thoughts on, you know, here's what we were thinking when we were creating the story. And that to me is one of the coolest things about social media, the ability to, when I was a kid, these were, you know, larger than life figures who I would never talk to. But the fact that you and I can tweet something about Superboy and Carl Kiesel, who created him, uh, might jump back and say, oh, here's what I was thinking. That's just the coolest thing for me. All right, well, guys, I think that that's probably all the time we have for today. I don't know that you have completely sold me on Superman just yet, but uh, when I wrap up the DC Era Rebirth Challenge, I might give the Reign of the Superman a read of my own. Arun, thank you so much for joining us today for The Other Identity. It has been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Uh, Me too, and my one recommendation for anybody who's not sure about Superman is pick up Grant Morrison and Frank Quietly's All-Star Superman, and that will at least give you an idea of why everyone loves Superman, even if you don't love it. But if you don't love it, you're broke. If you don't love it, Robbie, you're broken inside. So well, we well, here's the so issue. I, I watched the All-Star Superman animated movie, and that was a whole nother trip right there. I have not seen it, but I would say uh, the source material is what I recommend having having read that multiple times. And I think uh, I think you'll dig that. Um, and then again, pick up back issues, uh, pick up the collection of uh, Rain of the Superman. And I would say, please do this all at your local comic book shop. They're open. They have a lot of safe services like curbside pickup and delivery. Give them a call. They want to sell you comics. All right, guys. That's going to be it for us here today at The Other Identity. Join us next week. Same Other Identity time. Same Other Identity channel. 